terrors of tripping on pump. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! This tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi, big fat doobies. Hi, 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 hi. What's up, everybody? Today's Tuesday, December eighth, two thousand fifteen. This is episode one seventy of the Hotbox. Every week, usually right here live, hotboxpodcast.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Uh, we got a great guest for you today from Cultivated Industries. Uh, his name is Norris Monson. He's an Oregon-based cannabis entrepreneur uh, affiliated with Open Vape Concentrates. He's a member of the NICA, Measure 91 Finance Committee member, among other things, and founding member of the Oregon Cannabis Pack. You can find him traveling across the country, speaking at all these cool cannabis conferences uh, we've been seeing. Uh, so, Morris, uh, Norris Monson, excuse me, welcome to the Hotbox. How you doing, man? Great. Thanks for having me. Good to have you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you get started? I noticed on your site, cultivatedindustries.com there, it says you've been growing uh, cannabis forever <laughs> or for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much. That's cool. Yeah, I'm 42 and I, I started growing cannabis right out of high school uh, back in Minnesota. I uh, grew up in South Minneapolis, went to high school in uh, northern Minnesota. And so, yeah. Right, right out of high school, started doing it. You know, it obviously is at a different scale than uh, what I'm doing now. But yeah, started a very long time ago. Huge difference between uh, growing underground in a closet as opposed to these large open grows we're seeing in Oregon and uh, Washington and and everything. Oh, it's so dramatic. And you know, today I was <clears throat> we were in the process of building out uh, our existing facility to add more square footage and a lot of the stuff is you know now just talking to contractors today is to be able to call electricians and have service people to call come do work for you is radically different than the old days when it was a closet or basement grower if you had electric electrical problem back in minnesota um you know if you call an electrician that's an invitation to go to jail oh absolutely here it's all it's all changing to be permitted regulated activity that has to be done a certain way and yeah it's it is it is it's, it's definitely much safer pretty radically different. much much safer i mean instead of just calling a friend who you hope knows what he's doing with uh electrical and people just run it themselves and you know you see a lot of a lot of fires and and just unsafe uh circumstances when you're forced to be underground like that it is cool having like i mean it is kind of a pain going through regulatory actions and everything but when you're done with it i feel like it's way better because you know your area is safe your everything is up to code you know you're not cutting corners because you're not hiding it's it, it's it's greatly you know it's it's a great thing oh it's much better in the old days i mean I remember some of my first grows when, you know, you didn't know first time using equipment, what, yeah, what, what to expect. You were plugging in plastic timers into thousand watt lights that would melt. And, you know, it, there was a few times where I'm sure over the years, like, you know, there's a lot of equipment that even first came out was engineered poorly and it would melt. Trial and so, error. So yeah, just having codes, professional installation, so much different, so much nicer. A lot of trial and error. So uh, you guys do a lot of consulting now, or do you still actually grow and do extractions? Or like, what's your gig now? A lot of our day-to-day at this point is, so 
Oregon to switch to a recreational marijuana system. We measure 91 passed. Mm-hmm. So, or it hasn't switched, you know, formally, but the temporary rules have come out that essentially what we're starting to do is comply before the deadline with those rules. So most of our activity right now is just getting ready for rec sales uh, starting early next year. You can technically sell flour, but everybody will be licensed under the rec system next year. So a lot of our activity right now is focused around that. So we do currently uh, grow and process here in Portland. We have a dispensary that's about to open up. And then we've done some consulting around the U.S. and just a kind of crop consultation services for some gardens. And, you know, essentially what we've done for our own facility is made most of the construction modular. So it is meant to scale up as much as possible in any size building or situation. Oh, cool. So you have you have uh, these modular areas set up that are already to code, so then you can mass fabricate them and, and get them to the people that need them? Is, is it like that or...? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've started to all our rooms. We've gone from, you know, building things out, even commercial or residential standard to kind of just we've we've honed it down to what works, what is reproducible and repeatable. Um, And everything we do can either be, you know, purchased locally, like, you know, the clients now are going to go on tables that are built out of pallet racks. So pallet racking is available everywhere in the U.S. Right. So as much as possible, it's just an item list and then a building plan formula with, you know, matching lights to square footage, drainage, you know, water supply, all the stuff. We've got something that works. It'll work, you know, over and over at this scale. And that's that's kind of the model we're going to start working with as we go forward. That's cool. We've been to Oregon uh, when they legalized rec and actually the first store started uh, selling stuff. It is interesting that they have, because they're in dispensaries still, like you have all of these extracts and everything and edibles and you can't really have them unless you have your card, but you can see them and they will explain to you what they are, but you cannot purchase them. Only, like you said, uh, flour for now. Uh, I assume that those will change once everything gets into swing, kind of like it is here in Washington. Uh, as far as lumping medical in with rec, um, a lot of people disagree with that. Are you what what side of the fence are you on with that? Do you think it should all be one, or are you an advocate for keeping the two separate? Well, I mean, I, I think the the systems right now, medical is not a very robust system as it stands. Right now, my medical. Uh, licensure as it stands would be my dispensary license. That's the only thing that's a licensed activity. Right. I am permitted to grow for patients at my location. It's legal to process um, and it's legal to possess extracts, but it's not a licensed activity. I see. So what Oregon hopes to do is bring everything into licensed activity. Those who remain in medical will truly be, you know, the sick patients who are using it exclusively for that. And I personally think that that's what's got to happen. You've got to have, you can't, for us, we're, you know, we're going to be at um, about 13,000 square feet-ish. Um, we're going to have everything built to code, everything permitted, paying workers' comp, paying withholding taxes, all the stuff that a business has to do. And it's going to be impossible for us or anybody 
to compete with somebody who in their garage or in their basement, no oversight, no permits, nothing. They don't have to pass on those costs. So they can always sell cheaper. And in the end, what happens is you've got the consumers getting an unregulated, uh, you know, potentially unsafe product that, you know, guys like me who um, have had the foresight to start investing and thinking that, you know, rather than making other choices, I've kind of pushed in the direction of everything's going to be permitted. Everything is going to be like normal American business and so much as people expect products manufactured in a hygienic environment right. with good manufacturing product for practices. You know, in the old days, you, you'd buy a pound of cannabis and there'd be dog hair in it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants Old days, jeez. I, I still see a lot of that awful stuff. Not that I'm smoking, but yeah. that, that gets processed uh, at, a, at the facility I work at. It's, it's I, I understand why they're processing it because, you know, you can't sell weed like that. <laughs> it's awful. But yeah. uh, it, it is interesting. It seemed to me, I, I came from Montana where we had a pretty decent medical system until they tried to repeal it. And then uh, they kind of clamped it down from, we had around 30,000 patients uh, and everything was great. But then they, they shut that down to about 3,000 patients. And then everyone was like, are you kidding uh, and so moving over here, it seems almost backwards. Like the recreational is super regulated and held to these tight standards. Meanwhile, medical is just like, do whatever you want. And to me, it seems like it should be the other way around. Like rec, okay, you're just smoking it to get high. Like do whatever you want. But medical, we should have this yeah. very high standard of, you know, this is medicine and this is a very controlled dose and there's no pesticides in it. And, the, you know, all of the things that, as a, a medical producer, we should be adhering to, but we don't have to. So a lot of places don't. It, yep. it just, to me, I, I was kind of, I was taken aback when that, when I first got here and saw that, it was like, really? Rec is, is more? Uh, well, <laughs> that is, that is something I've observed quite a bit. And they had a lot of conversation with patient activists. So there's kind of two things that are happening. A lot of patient ad advocates here in Oregon for a while pushed for a continued medical program as is with no new regulations, kind of let things go as they are. And I, I agree with you. Uh, if there's a medical product, you're kind of looking for a safe, regulated, you know, understood commodity. And if you're choosing to drink, you know, for loco, that is what it is. You're, right. And I get it. If you can't, you know, you're doing it for fun. Yeah, and if you can't afford it, then sure, the market will sort itself out. But the, the people that want that, that higher standard of medicine, it should definitely be there. I, well, I don't think so you can ever... Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, the conversation really... So that's... The conversation should, in my mind, be... Because instead, really, what I hear is this. I've grown cannabis for a long time. Some of the time illegally, then I got I became adapted to this medical system. I'm unsuited to move to this next system. I would like to be grandfathered into it somehow because my livelihood depends on it. Hmm. That's more or less what I hear from. I mean, I can understand that. What it is, but it these things didn't just happen all of a sudden. Like you, we knew this was coming. So it seems to me there's two kinds yeah. of. 
of people in that industry where like half of them were just like, oh man, we're making so much money. This is awesome. And they didn't look forward to like, ooh, I should save some of this because if I want to continue to be legit, I'm going to have to spend the money to be legit. And then there's the other half that did do that. You know, they looked ahead and they were like, oh, regulations are expensive. You know, this is not going to be cheap to renovate or whatever, do what we need to do to get everything up to code. And, And so you kind of see that division there where like half of the group is pissed because they didn't put the money that they made away and the other half of the group is like what's wrong guys like you saw this coming it's an interesting dichotomy there yep yep no i i pretty much think that sums up and you're seeing the same in oregon i mean it it does seem very similar i don't want to compare the two but and and, you know in some degree there's a lot of that but then there's also these real small producers that have kind of used this as like you know they put 20 plants in their backyard and that's just supplemental income to them. Not really their profession. They never got rich off it, but it also made it to where, you know, they've lived a little bit better lifestyle, but it wasn't like they were going to every fish show in the country. Yeah. You're not like paying credit card debt off or anything, but you know, it's, it's a little couple extra bags of ramen in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And so that's the thing. So people, I think, want to continue with that. The reality is that's not how it works. You know, there's regulation and everything. Oregon wants to see, you know, for a long, I've just observed this the whole time I've been here is there's been a tension between regulators and what is actually occurring. Mm -hmm. You know, just like Washington, there was no laws, you know, 2012 when there was dispensaries here, there was no law that actually permitted that. Um, right. It, just, it, it was the same thing that was happening in Washington. It was just kind of a gray area that nobody felt like prosecuting. And if you were on the other side of the mountain in a conservative community and you opened up, you may very well uh, suffer the wrath of uh, law enforcement's whip, you know, and I think that's what was happening here. Nobody really liked it, but they also in Western Oregon, nobody wanted to put anybody in jail over it. Right. They weren't happy about it, but it wasn't something they were going to, you know, uh, crack heads over. And so now that it's all in a box and it's regulated, I think that now people will find that, Oh yeah, there are people are going to lose licenses. And then when you do, there'll be sanctions and they're going to pay attention now. Yeah, the market sorts itself out. Definitely, it just it it is interesting that they they we've wanted it legalized or re-legalized for so long, and now it's happening. And it's like, well, maybe not like this. You know, it's like you can't have it all. It's it's either going to be yep. super stringent because it is federally still illegal, and until that changes, I think these states are going to be like going over and above what this uh the the state themselves sets just to show the federal government like. Like, look, we're doing this as tightly as we can. Like, we're going above and beyond what you set forth as recommendations right. just to, you know, yeah, just to show them, like, hey, we are taking this seriously. And and definitely a lot of, you know, the people in the industry, they don't care for it. And I, I don't care for it, but it's it's better than not, I think. And it is a stepping stone, yeah, right? It's, it's so new that it's – you can't say this is how it's going to be forever. This is just two states, three states, four states, you know, doing their experiments as they like to call them. So I, I do think in the future it will get worked out, but there's going to be some mad serious growing pains in that process, and a lot of people are going to get pissed off for sure. Yep. Well, that's the nature of change. Some people are going to yep. like it, some people aren't, and it's just kind of it is what it is. Can't I mean, please everybody all the time, for sure. Die. 
So what do you let's uh, let's talk more about what you guys are doing uh, as far as this this pack that goes around. You guys uh, speak at these different conferences I mentioned at the top of this show. Uh, what was the any recent ones you've been at? Well, so the pack is actually not so much. Uh, there are definitely conferences and the thing. So the the next event that the pack is going to put on is going to be, uh, I think, will be next week, the seventeenth. Is it next week? Yeah, I think it'll be next week, the seventeenth. We're putting on a fundraiser for Senator Wyden, our uh, U.S. senator, who has sponsored some legislation to help out with uh, banking issues. That's a um, huge so issue. <laughs> the, huge. The pack. The pack really focuses more on the political end of the spectrum versus servicing. It's really just pushing lobbying efforts. Uh, <clears throat> so with the pack, I've been. We went out to D.C. Um, geez, it was just back in October on a lobbying trip to lobby the Hill to try to get change to, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with 280E and the issues we're having with banking, but a lot of the legislators aren't. Yep. Um, and they still need to learn that, you know, a lot of them I think are pretty familiar with the banking being a problem, but they're not as familiar with uh, the 280E issue, which, you know, for listeners who may not be aware, 280E is just a provision that says you can't write off expenses in your business activities. You can write off costs if it's sold, but expenses are not allowable deductions. So if you run a dispensary, the only thing you can write off is the cannabis that you buy, but you can't write off your lease payment, your electricity, your labor payments, None of that stuff. And we should also say so, just to just a little history of that. Didn't that start as something completely different, more towards like mafia kind of like speakeasy prohibition stuff? It wasn't for legal pot businesses. They're just applying it to that to make things a little more difficult, it seems. Yeah, no, exactly. It was started back in the 80s uh, before there was the first state legal medical program anywhere. So it was, I, I, and I'm not 100% accurate on the details, so don't quote me, but essentially what happened was in Miami, a fellow was caught uh, smuggling cocaine into the U.S. And the part that I'm, you know, I'm not an accountant, I don't understand the contrivances, but basically he was able to deduct a bunch of his expenses and retain some of his uh, proceeds, even though he was arrested and you know, convicted and incarcerated. And so uh, a Democrat from California introduced 280E so that if you were arrested for drug trafficking, uh, you wouldn't be able to do that again. But it didn't anticipate um, what has occurred. And, you know, realistically, we're state legal businesses. We just want to be taxed fairly like any other business. And that is it's a big issue that. From cocaine trafficking to state legal, recreational, and medical cannabis, they're, they're not the same thing, and we just need some relief because some people end up with marginal tax rates of 95%. 95% of all their net profit goes to taxes, which is, you know. Yeah, they're bad. getting taxed twice almost, but not able to claim any of this. And I mean, like the, a lot of these machines and, and like lab equipment is super expensive. I mean, even just grow lights and, and circulate, like all of that stuff is expensive. And if you can't write that off your business, like how does your business survive? So grows and processing are subject to the same law 
but because of the nature of the business as a manufacturing versus a retail business, oh. much more of the activity that happens there is a cost of goods sold. So you can attribute much more <laughs> cost of goods sold and much less is it just an outright expense. Outright expenses would be like legal and uh, advertising and that kind of stuff. Right. But your production costs can roll into cost of goods sold, and so you're, tax you're able to write that off. So from the grow and processor standpoint, these are less impactful, but uh, the retail is where it really hurts. Right, right. And who who is enforcing that? I mean, that is the IRS, or like, are they going after That's the F- IRS tax code? And yeah, they have actually enforced that. But they, they can choose, like right? They're not enforcing it blanket. Like, they're just picking and choosing individual cases, or how? Are you familiar with how that? Well, I think what this is what would I? You know, I'm I'm not an attorney and I'm not an accountant, but I think you know I'm fairly accurate when I say that what would happen is. The IRS would audit you based on however they decide to audit. Right, um, right. I know that, you know, there's certain things that are going to trigger audits more likely than others. Sure. But once the IRS audits you and it becomes apparent what type of business you operate, and, you know, I don't think it's wise to give false statements to the IRS because that's a criminal penalty in and of itself. Um, once they're aware that they're auditing a cannabis business, then they're going to apply that template um, onto your tax bill, and then they're going to decide, you know, you might be able to argue with them about what constitutes cost of goods sold or, you know, what's an expense. But it's up to them at that point, right? They can be as lenient or as not as they feel. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, you're going to, items they're gonna, gonna get yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think yeah, everyone like is, would be uh, fam- paper towel cost of goods sold or is that just an expense right right so, and then they'll start you know, things like that are where you're gonna get to with them i think people would be familiar with steve d'angelo and uh, harborside Healthcare and the show weed wars a few years ago i believe he was that's where i first heard of this whole 280e uh federal income income tax code was on that show yeah. where he was talking about all of these taxes they had to pay but they were they were short because of this tax code so that that's where people may may have heard of it from yep yep and he was represented by henry wachowski and essentially what they were able to do was carve out some ways to make some deductions by right. having employees packaged in separate areas and you know call that a cost of goods sold because of right. packaging is related to the sale of play it. the game <laughs> but it's still yeah i mean so there's been refinements and so now people aren't getting nailed with 95 percent of their net income but it's still disproportionately high and it's you know it's not fair with state legal uh, if the federal government isn't is going to let us do this, then they should probably just let us be taxed fairly. Yeah, don't pick and choose. Although you know, at the same time, they probably appreciate the additional revenue. Oh, you know they do. <laughs> Caesar always wants. Uh, well, it it will. Uh, you mentioned the banking thing. Have you are you familiar with PayQuick? This is a, a thing I keep seeing come up over and over again, and I spoke with them at uh, at Canacon and at Hempfest this year, um, just briefly, but. It it seemed kind of odd. Like I'm kind of torn between it. Half of it seems like it's like Russian banking scam, I guess. And, and I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's totally legit. That's just the feel I got from it as a tech guy. Like that, it seemed odd. Um, but it's it's not exactly like a bank. It's kind of like a broker. Uh, are you familiar with them at all? I am not. 
familiar with them. Okay, basically they give you like an account that you put money into, and then these cannabisnesses will accept PayQuick, basically. So I don't know how they're getting around it, but apparently a lot of uh, a lot of these smaller governments are like into it. I don't know if they're how long it's going to last <laughs> or what, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting way to do it, you know. Yeah, I know there's a lot of groups looking at a lot of different things. I know there's people that are discussing trying to figure out how to take over a bank or do something along those lines. I think, you know, this next election is going to be pretty significant in terms of how this stuff is handled. Um, you know, depending on who the next president is, if it's Clinton or Sanders, well, I think the banking will probably get much easier. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Uh, so what do you guys, uh, what do you got going on next? You got uh, any more conferences planned besides you mentioned that fundraiser coming up next week? Uh, Steve has got uh, a conference in the Midwest speaking on um, uh, corporate structure and um, efficiency as it relates to corporate structure. Um, I don't know the dates off the top of my head on that. And, you know, we're really kind of starting to, we had been doing more speaking engagements in the not too distant past. We're, we submit our applications probably in March. We're going to have the ability to submit in January, but in March, they're going to start interfacing with us and really getting serious and, it's all going to change. So we've really put our head down and we're making sure we get this licensing done. So a lot of that stuff is on hold at this time, but probably starting by the middle of the summer, we'll start doing speaking and going to conferences again. Cool. We'll probably see you out at some of those. If, uh, if you make it up here to Washington, sometimes we get down to Oregon when they let us out of the lab, but not very often. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about okay. cool? cultivated industries uh for a bit it looks like you guys have some pretty nice looking extracts on here you guys do both the the co2 and the uh hydrocarbon butane and, and whatnot yeah we do we do co2 and hydrocarbon extracts um we are in the process right around the first we're going to launch as a repackaged brand um, and going to change some of our offerings. We'll be uh, focusing more on the cultivated brand side. Uh, we're going to be offering glass and metal cardamizers that are just m more higher end, focused on the experience um, and quality. Um, won't be quite as affordable, but again, it's really focused on the experience and quality. Um, and yeah, so we really try to produce high quality stuff at our shop. Um, I suppose everybody does does that though. So I think we've we've won a few contests for both. We've won a few different contests for flower. Uh, we won for PHO in the Oregon Concentrate Challenge. Uh, we came runner up at, in the Dope Cup for concentrates. Um, yeah. Which, what's what's you your know, people do you, in the north? Do you uh, have a preference? Are are you more uh, partial to one towards uh, versus the other? I tend to like hydrocarbon extracts better myself. I think that uh, if you produce a good, clean hydrocarbon extract, you may have, you know, 100 parts per million of butane left in it or something along those lines, depending on how thoroughly you purge. Got to purge. purge. Got to purge. And, 
Yeah, gotta purge. Yep, don't we're kind of believers in not over purging. Right. Uh, we're not I'm yep. not a believer. I don't think zero parts per million is a necessary thing. I think you kind of at as long as you've got good clean material, the amount of butane you would ingest by having a small amount left in there, not so much that well, that's the point, but and it, it definitely I, I, last bit out of it. You get a more stable product, but you also remove every bit, uh, much more terpenes, and the final uh, product is not nearly as nice. Right, garbage in, garbage out. Right, <laughs> garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Are are you uh, are you familiar with live resin at all? Do you guys make that? Yeah, we do a lot of live resin extractions um, in the shop. We. You know, usually every crop we will go high grade out some of it and do some extractions and oh, cool. save some of that for cups and for people we like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very I don't want to say wasteful process, but it, it's it's not something you would mass produce <laughs> unless yeah, you had a point, giant farm. You know. Yeah, exactly. The amount of dry ice. Yeah, and it's definitely all, yeah. not cost effective, and that's going to be one of the interesting things for us is. Uh, you know, over the course of the next year, our market's going to change. The medical market is going to be a lot different than the rec market. And we've already seen a pretty big difference. We sell a lot of flour. We're an indoor producer. We do have uh, 20 acres that will be able to have uh, 40,000 square feet under cultivation oh, nice. um, sometime next year. But typically around this time, the market for dispensaries slows down because all the outdoors come in, it's flooding the market, and it just kind of compresses what's happening. This year, early flower sales started in October, right. and we haven't really seen that slowdown for indoor. It, the, so my guess is rec customers are showing up when given the choice and being asked to spend, you know, on an order $8 more or whatever it is, total on the thing, they're choosing indoor based on, you know, bag appeal in testing and so <clears throat> indoor is moving outdoor is not moving as fast so the budget-minded people are there and they buy but a lot of the rec customers i don't think are quite the same that's interesting I, w I wouldn't think it would make much of a difference until you came down to like extracting it and having to winterize your material the the outdoor versus the indoor the outdoor being way more full of wax uh, waxes and fats because it has to be more sturdy uh to survive the outdoor uh environment basically your indoor stuff seems to it definitely still needs winterized depending on what kind of material you're going for in the end but it doesn't seem to have as uh, the fat and wax content um but i wouldn't see well, that I was no actually talking about flour oh yeah 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 we do both so right, we have right. a, we have a large grow um will be a tier two uh growth in oregon uh or that's the type of license we seek which means we can have up to ten thousand square feet of flowering canopy and we'll be just below that when we're done building out we'll be at 9600 square feet of flowering canopy um and so a lot of this stuff is changing like we're really just i guess that's my, was my point is just the yeah. change and the customer and what they want and what they're looking at is, is been. I'd like to also kind of see the shops get away, at least up here. I've seen it. They, they kind of just purchase based on THC content. And you, I feel like you're kind of oh, getting yeah. rid of a lot of the other good stuff. Like you can have a, a bud that comes in at 15 to 17%. That is way better just because of the terpene content it has than some bud that's been pumped up with like 25%, you know, that has just crap for terpenes. 
It's it's the entourage yep. effect. You know, it's the whole thing. You don't just want a bud that has all the THC in it. You know, you need all the other stuff. Yeah, but, no, I'm 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 definitely in agreement. The, Having the numbers game, and then you know when you don't have standardized labs, right? We, right. We test with Cascadia. We generally think they're the most conservative in testing. So we actually get lower numbers than we could. We could definitely go lab shopping and get, you know, four to maybe 8% increase in our flower potency. We see people with 30s all the time. Yeah, that's such BS, though, because it's just completely skewing the market. And people that are testing it, the people that are testing it to know which plants to go with, you know, to backbreed and move forward with, if you're getting bunk numbers, like, you don't know. I, I mean, I get why, because if, if you're testing it and you go to a lab that gives you higher numbers and you're selling it based on your higher numbers, of course, you go back to that lab. You don't want the lab that's giving you lower numbers, whether or not those numbers are real, you know, who who knows? But that's definitely something we see a lot well, of up see, here, that's too. That's actually what we do is we go to the lab that gives us lower numbers that we think are right. And yeah, exactly. It is higher than this, but we know that it's at least this strong yep. and that we can safely say this. And, you know, if somebody else has a different number that's higher, that's great for them. But, you know, we're competing. We get in the 20s at a conservative lab in the mid-20s. And uh, so that's I think awesome. in the end, when they're all come into alignment and they're all testing the same way, our tests won't vary. Everybody else's will drop. And that's going to be huge, so. right? Because these other places, they're not going to know that they were doing things wrong here and there because their numbers were great. So once everything does yeah. get regulated more properly, people are going to start getting real numbers. And they're going to be like, what is this? It's like, well, that's what you've been sending us. <laughs> yep. No, that's just it. It's, it's, it's all going to... It's going to get peeled back. All the pesticides are going to get figured out. All the potency. Everybody's going to, there's going to be a big reveal. And people who have been kind of just consistently doing it the same way, the longer term customers are going to see like, yeah, those guys didn't change much. Yep. Uh, versus, wow, their numbers have went from 99.83% pure to 60. Yep. Wow. Interesting, huh? I wonder what changed. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I did see an article that you were, uh, I don't know if you were quoted in or interviewed in, but they were talking about uh, pesticides in the extracts. And apparently some of these processes, they're not removing uh, the pesticides. And I, I think this was, um, they were talking about off the shelf, like certain uh, vape pens, I think that had uh, some pesticides in them. Yeah, And that just, it, it's very important that you get good material that doesn't have that because as far as we know, scientifically, like we can't take the pesticides out. If you have pesticides in your plant material and that gets uh, concentrated down, like, yeah, you're going to have pesticides in your concentrate. That's just, unless, you know, people can figure out a way to separate that. And as far as I know, it's, yeah, it's I mean, not there's, possible. There's yet. further remediation you could do to get rid of it, but it's just adding more complexity and difficulty. And, you know, in Oregon, what the law will say next year is when you fail for pesticide, you have one chance to fix it and you have to explain how it's, how you're going to do it, why it's going to work, demonstrate that it did work. Right. And then if it didn't, it's garbage. A whole scientific method so, basically, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. For sure. Well, cool, man. It's been great chatting with you. Is there anything else you want to mention? Any, anything, uh, places we should point people to? We got cultivatedindustries.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you can see what we're doing. Uh, we're cultivated.industries uh, is our Instagram profile. I think that's a pretty good place to follow us in terms of day-to-day. You see the inside of our facility, you know, flower shots, extracts. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good place to point people besides the web. Very website. cool. Very cool. I will do that. Now, I have uh, actually, we're going to uh, bring on my buddy here that writes for Waxy, and he said, uh, you are a great guest, and he wants to interview you for their uh, their web website. So <laughs> I will, uh, I'll send nice. you, uh, I'll get you guys in contact after the show and everything. Great. Well, that sounds good. I, I appreciate the interview, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll meet at one of these conferences. Yeah, definitely. Have a great evening, Norse. You as well, sir. All right, Norris Monson from cultivatedindustries.com. Uh, let's get Gooey on the line here uh, if he is still around before we wrap this up. Now we're going to Skype him on an iPad, so we'll see if this this works. Gooey Rubinsky live on the Hotbox. What's up, man? Can you actually hear me, man? Oh, my goodness. I can actually hear you. Because I'm doing this from a raw iPad. This is not an iPad. It is an Android tablet. Don't lie to us. Uh, no. <laughs> How you doing, man? I am kind of an Apple fan, not a fanboy. I think I take this too far. Well, that's why we're friends. If you were a fanboy, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Going around crazy, like anyway. No, I'm glad. To, I'm glad this sounds good. Uh, I am in the middle of uh, of moving, so uh, so regular uh, equipment is not available. But uh, you know. Wonderful Cupertino technology is keeping us rolling here. It's good stuff. I know it's been a while since uh, we had you on. We had the holidays, and then uh, we had a, a trip up to, to Mount Baker. So this is the first show back after the holidays and everything. So just wanted to touch base with you, see how things are going. Uh, we just had uh, Norris Monson on the show. You were listening for part of that. Yeah, yeah. I was over on Google+. Plus and, uh, nice. Yeah, very uh, – you know the guy is right at the uh, the ground level, and and he's really a voice of experience. And uh, you know, there, there's a lot to learn there from what's going on. You know, right now, it's not a snapshot of five years ago. That's yeah, that's where we are now, and where we're going in the next couple of years. I thought it was great. I like the fact that he he's not only doing this uh, cultivation, producing, processing, but then on the other side, he's involved in the pack. He's doing lobbying because it takes both, right? You have to have the people talking to the lawmakers so they know what the hell they're doing um, yeah. as well. And you can't, you know, you can't do, you can't leave it up to somebody else to do. I mean, if we all did that, nobody would do it. Right. I, I, you know, and it's like so many entrepreneurs in the green rush. And, and I know that's kind of a tainted term. I mean it in the, the best of ways, but uh, <laughs> so many entrepreneurs need to be part activist or, or at least a very, ardent uh advocate well especially the ones that have the deep pockets right because that's what it takes is funds and resources people like you and me we can write about this stuff all day but they don't care we don't have money for them <laughs> right right yeah we, we can we can help get the good word out but it's not like we're going to write a check for $300, exactly and that's the kind of stuff that gets noticed like you go over there and write a check for a couple hundred grand on behalf of your cannabis pack f- to endorse this uh, politician, you know, that's, that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's face it, this is a culture war. I've been thinking more and more about that. <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, from our perspective, the bad guys, you know, the conservatives, the Luddites, the anti-progressives, they've got a hell of a lot of money. Uh, and they've got, you know, tens of millions of Americans 
behind them through, uh, like you're saying, conservative PACs and, you know, just uh, there's, there's a ton of money in it. And, and any cannabis or medical cannabis activist who thinks that we can achieve our goals on, you know, a lot of heart and no budget is unfortunately sadly mistaken. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of us too, we think of it, it's like, well, you don't have to agree with it, but why does that mean you have to legislate it? Like, it, if we're doing this, it has no bearing on what you're doing, but they still come from that mind state that, like, drugs are bad, and this is bad for society overall, and I mean, we're we're starting to see the proof that it's not, I mean, we've known that it's not, but you can't just anecdotal evidence it to death, you know, you have to show results, so I'm glad right. that the, the, this is happening. We're starting to see these results, but I, I I feel like a lot of these people will have that mindset and and take it to the grave with them. Basically, it's sad to say, but there's there's so much negative propaganda to go against that a lot of people aren't open minded enough to be able to make that change, and so that's kind of what we're still struggling against. It seems right. I mean, the culture war part of it is well I, I, that. I don't. I don't think a lot of the people leading the opposition to legalization and medical cannabis really do a lot of fact checking because it's a culture war. This is a to them. It's a moral thing. You know, if it's a comfort thing, right? If you have to yeah. fact check what your government is telling you, that's not very good. I should be able to blindly trust everything my government tells me. I mean, we got to remember that the two percent. And I'm not trying to get too political here, but the two percent. They, you know, they run things and they want to maintain the status quo because the status quo is very beneficial to them. Are they getting bigger? I thought they were the 1% last year. Is it 2% you know, now? Maybe Shit. if Trump gets in, it'll be the one-tenth of 1%. Oh, oh don't. E- oh, good Lord. I cannot even. I, I can't even. I don't even know where else. what else to say. Is it's it? This can't be real. He's trolling America, right? Like, this is the biggest troll ever. <laughs> This can't be real. Well, what did you say you, in a previous podcast? You said we're one step closer to idiocracy. Yeah, that's the dude right there from Idiocracy. <laughs> it's it, it is you know it's a little frightening because I think everybody should plug their brain in the morning. I don't care if you have a high IQ or a low IQ. I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the room, but just when you get out of bed, plug your brain in and try to learn something and try to you know. Look at things rationally. Now, now it's just my personal opinion, but I want to take a science-based approach, and I think that's one of the problems. What we're talking about here is there's a lot of people in this country and groups in America that have a ton of money, and they don't care about the scientific process. They don't care about real medical research. Hell, just a few months ago in the late summer when Congress shot down research that would have been uh, orchestrated by the DEA and uh, and conducted by the federal government, orchestrated by the DEA. It doesn't get any better than that, and they said no to it. So I think we know that the federal government does not give a shit about cannabis research. They already know where they stand on this, and that 2% or 8% or however you want to slice the pie does not want to see the status quo change. And the status quo has been prohibition for almost 80 years. Well, and we've seen that. I mean, the, the greatest example I can think of of that is the fact that they've had a federal medical marijuana program for decades. And very right. few people know about that. It's it's crazy. Absolutely. You know, and uh, and I know we've discussed that in the past. And our stockbroker friend uh, down in Florida, who's, yep. uh, who's, who's been getting those cans of uh, yeah, the tins. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tins of stems and seeds rolled up in some gross paper. Thanks. I mean, you can tell those are nasty just watching like low resolution videos. Yeah, I know, right? It's like I can see the seeds from here, dude. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's like I've been raking leaves in the backyard. Ugh. Uh, I did see this article uh, I thought was kind of interesting, uh, and it's it's like the police kind of letting, letting parents know, letting people know that, hey, marijuana vaping, that's a concern. You guys better keep an eye out, because apparently e-cigs are very popular among smokers for uh, and for people that don't even use nicotine. And apparently, I don't know if you know this or not, Gooey, but pot users have discovered e-cigarettes. Have you discovered e-cigarettes? Well. (laughs) Interesting. It says, quote, it didn't take long before people figured it out. Hey, if I can smoke liquid nicotine, I can smoke liquid marijuana in these things. That's Montgomery County Police Captain Tom did one. And he says that is exactly what his officers are finding. The concern for. Yeah. Montgomery County, Maryland. Where where is this? Uh, That's a good question. Yes, Maryland. Oh, okay. Yeah, those bunch of conservative dorks. I, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, personally, because I'm always coming from a patient advocacy perspective, mm-hmm. I, I, I think. Well, plus, you know, as a libertarian, I, I believe in the freedom of people to grow a plant in their backyard and smoke a damn thing if they so choose. You know, who am I to tell them not to do it? Who is anyone else to tell them not to? Exactly. Do it? So I like e-cigs. You know, I prefer <laughs> something that's dedicated, like uh, Neos. Bloom Farms, Dixie Elixirs, I saw just came out with a, a vape pen. Uh, you, you know, there are a lot of these inexpensive, <laughs> recipe chargeable ones. And I think it's great stuff because if you're a patient, you're suffering nausea. You know, you got to go to chemotherapy. They don't come to your house to do that, okay? You want to get high as a kite. Uh, you want to medicate your ass off in the car, in the parking lot, if you don't have a doctor that lets you do it in, in their room, right? And and what and for that you need uh, a vape pen, e cig, whatever you want to call it. You need mobile vaping because mobile vaping technology. I like that. Um, they say uh, the the concern from police is that when processed for use in e cigarettes, the distinctive odor of marijuana is reduced and it becomes harder to detect during traffic stops. They're like, you actually have to do your job now? Oh, my goodness. You can't just, like, roll around driving with your window down and sniff weed? Yeah. (laughs) Weird. He also says potency. That's another concern. The delivery system of an e-cig gives a faster, more potent hit to the user. And he says, quote, and it really hits on drugged driving because they don't realize they're stoned as fast. That's officer did one. What? Don't realize there's stone. Why does he? I don't. Okay. Yeah, uh, just a complete inadequate understanding of how all of this works. Now, now here's the part that I get. If you're a prohibitionist, and and let's just say you're sincere about it, okay? You you were raised to think cannabis is evil, and you know uh, Jesus would you know kick you out of heaven for it and everything. Okay, great. I can, if that's, if that's your mindset, you don't want your high school students, whether you're a teacher, counselor, or a parent, uh, maybe just a concerned neighbor, you don't necessarily want them, you know, getting high as a kite at 10 a.m., you know, during third period. I, I, I understand that. So I, I see some legitimate concerns here from people who perceive that cannabis is bad. Now, I would say probably a high percentage of people who think cannabis is good 
also don't want their high school sophomore getting high as a kite at 10 a.m., you know? So uh, so I see valid concerns on both sides of the fence. Again, think, though, not a police matter. That's a parental matter, if you ask me. I would me. agree completely. That's a school matter. That's a parental matter. Not a police, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. What, what, what should the cops have to do with, you know, the 13-year-old down the street? Yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want to make, make the rules for the kid, then I'm going to drop the kid off, and you're going to babysit the kid for 10 hours a day, <laughs> if that's how it's going to be. That's right, that's right. We make the rules because we got to... We got to carry the weight, right? That's right. My rule, my rules. <laughs> well, you're getting used to that. You're, you're what? You're T minus how long till? Uh, oh lord, like a month. <laughs> soon. Oh boy. I know. Soon. So well, soon. Save save your money for those concentrates, dude. Because otherwise, you're going to be <laughs> on diapers. You're going to need to get like a fourth job with as much as you. Oh, can. I know. That's what I keep hearing. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, in the article, they end with a little PSA, and they say, another way marijuana is processed turns it into a sticky, waxy substance, which is sometimes stored in tiny cosmetic canisters used by lip balm manufacturers. Quote, if your son or daughter suddenly shows an interest in lip balm <laughs> when they didn't before, you might want to check that out. Honey Jr. has drawings of lip balm all over his bedroom wall. What the hell's going on? Oh, my God. They're into drugs. That's funny. Um, what, you know, we were talking just a few minutes ago about all the money that, you know, is necessary to fight prohibition, you know, fight the conservative forces. Uh, and I, so I think any tool or, or, or strategy uh, that people in our culture have, especially the patients, that can help them to not be detected by prohibitionists mm -hmm. and cops who are just looking to fill numbers and all this bad stuff we talk about all the time. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing. I've been writing on Waxy very positively uh, about both concentrates and mobile vaping. And, of course, mobile vaping is complicated in and of itself. you got vape pens. you got more robust uh, products like the PAX2 and the Vapier Prima. Uh, two really pretty cool products, uh, and and they allow this type of thing to 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 happen. You know, I'm I'm sure a lot of the kids are doing some sort of uh, reappropriating actual e-cigarettes. Obviously, I, you know, I think it's a little better to go with a dedicated cannabis product that's going to give you much better results and and probably be a hell of a lot healthier. Yeah, definitely. Don't don't empty out a lip balm container and then put your dabs in there because it's probably <laughs> still going to have lip balm in there. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, come uh, on, man. And then they end the just with a little a little data here. Uh, did one says the criminalization. <laughs> I love that name, Officer. Did one. <laughs> uh, he says the decriminalization of marijuana means more people will likely use it, huh? And police worry that that could mean more drugged drivers on the road. According to current Montgomery County police data, about one quarter of the drivers arrested for driving under the influence of drugs are high on marijuana. Oh my. I know. Yeah. And they probably got pulled over for, for a broken taillight or expired res registration because they were busy playing Xbox and their driving was freaking perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. Or the cop was just driving around. Like, they, they do this in Montana. They drive around with their windows down and listen for the studs on the car because you're supposed to have your studs off at a certain time. You start seeing it more and more with the uh, the drug dogs kind of driving around with their heads out the window and you, they're sniffing. Keep your windows up if you're smoking in your car. This is in your part of the country? It, well, it, where I used to live, not not oh, here in Washington. I don't think. 
I haven't had any issues here in Washington with any of that, but yeah, I would. I mean, if I start hearing bad stories about Washington, Oregon, Colorado, or California, you know, then I'll have no place to go. I'll I know. <laughs> I have to look up to our our brothers and sisters to the north. They're in Canada. <laughs> Right. I mean, you know, haven't liberals been threatening to move to Canada for like the last 40 years? Every time? I know. I, I think they've tried, but Canada was like, sorry, buddy, we're full. <laughs> Canada's like, we would take you, but you're just a little too rude. <laughs> yeah, we would take you, but you guys are assholes. That's why this border's here. <laughs> but thanks for the couple jets you gave us anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, this was an interesting article in the Washington Post. Early results of marijuana extract treatment for children with epilepsy prove promising. Oh, and that's why I wanted to kind of mention on on the last article uh, about the whole uh, the the whole driving thing that we're seeing uh, research in these states, Oregon, Washington, where they're showing like here is the proof that this does not affect your driving. The only way yeah. it would is if you weren't if you didn't know what you were doing. Like if you weren't if you were taking more than what your system can handle and that's up to the person. Like you need to know what your limit is. Right. And well, you know, there's been anecdotal evidence for forever, you know, for as long as people there've there been cars and for as long and, as I've had my license, shit. <laughs> Right. And, and so I think, you know, I don't know, you know, I've drank before, uh, you know, I'm old enough. I've certainly been drunk before. And I think anybody who's both smoked a little, smoked a lot, drank a little, drank a lot. Oof. And you know, I'm not I'm not hoping any of those people are behind the wheel, but you get a feel for your motor perspective and how well you can operate the remote oh, yeah. or walk across a room or whatever. And uh, and, and I've I've always felt that there there's just not that you just get very reckless on booze you know you you get get violent and and even calm people will get belligerent and people who are already wound up tight end up pulling out a gun and you know blowing holes in the the ceiling of the saloon oh yeah it's complete insanity i think it's nice that there's studies emerging that from very reputable organizations that are are showing this, what we as cannabis users who have also drank at least at one point in the past, we've known for decades, uh, but now it's starting to come out and you know, it's good. I mean, it's being driven uh, by all this legalization. I, you know, what's interesting is even in these legalized States and you know, this uh, very well, you get outside the cities and you get a lot of opposition, a lot of uh, municipalities and counties that are going dry and saying, well, we can't stop you from possessing or consuming, but you ain't going to buy it here. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, there's dry counties as far as booze is concerned as well. And what do people do? Right. They drive to the next county over. And that county's like, yeah, hell yeah, we'll sell you booze. Spend your money here. We don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I would I would like to be involved in some of those studies because I, I could do some Days of Thunder like qualifying lap time while I'm taking dabs and I think that would be a nice outlier on the, the uh, research uh, information. Well, maybe, <laughs> like, you know, maybe we could do some sort of like uh, Xbox or PlayStation test where, you know, and just to be... Just know, lap times? <laughs> like timing him on a dab, well, on a bong hit, and then sober? <laughs> exactly. That would be like, awesome. Shots of whiskey, you know? Oh, oh God, I would, I wouldn't even make it. I would just vomit all over the. I'm not a drinker, so that that would not. You know, be... Your time for that lap is just a picture of having puked all over the handset, right? All over your Xbox oh. steering wheel. <laughs> he tried to roll the window down, but he was in his living room. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. 
that's, I, now that's much dabs. That that even I might even claim that goes a bit too far. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you literally can do kind of a home science test like that, and yeah, take take your times. Do do three shots of whiskey, you know, versus so much. Of course, it's the tough comes. <laughs> Equating the two, right? How sure, many shots sure. of whiskey equals a dab, yada, yada. So we'll, you know, we'll never resolve this with the conservatives. No, no, definitely not. Um, so going back to this, they're talking again about the Charlotte's Web strain. That's the one that keeps being mm-hmm. used uh, and having great results with these children that have uh, epilepsy and everything. And we, we've talked about this in the past, that these families have relocated to states like Colorado and Washington if they live in states that are not as uh, cannabis-friendly. Because they did. They saw that it helped their child. They're reducing these seizures. That's awesome. Um, So uh, then they go on to say that uh, some researchers have dismissed the reports of recoveries shared widely on social media as just wishful thinking, uh, anecdotal evidence, and whatnot. Uh, Early results unveiled at the American Epilepsy Society's annual meeting in Philadelphia, though, are encouraging. The first study was led by Oren Davinsky, director of the Comprehensive Epilepsy Center at NYU Langon Medical Center. Uh, He was involved in giving a drop of liquid cannabinoidal, CBD, to 261 patients with severe epilepsy for three months. Uh, The participants, most of whom were children with an average age of 11 and were at 16 different sites around the country, continued to take their regular anti-seizure medications as well. By the end of that time period, their seizures were reduced by 45% on average. But, of course, they're saying the treatment not without risks. Some 5% of the patients had side effects, such as changes in their liver enzymes or diarrhea. 12% stopped taking the medication in the middle of the study because it did not appear to help. Uh, The second study then they conducted at the University of California, Benioff's Children's Hospital, involved fewer participants, only 25, uh, all children. But they were involved giving... The drug for a longer time period, this was over the course of a year, Uh, the results were more mixed than in the previous study. Ten of those children experienced at least a 50% reduction in their seizures, but 12 of the children stopped taking the meds because it didn't work, and one because his seizures became more frequent. So, and that, that kind of, you'd almost expect that just the way the endocannabinoid system works, like everybody's brain is different. Um, You see that in pharma, uh, pharmacy stuff, like medications, what works one way for one person works the opposite way for somebody else. You know, you can't, but the fact that, you know, a bunch of them had a 50% reduction, that's awesome. Yeah. In fact, I just, uh, it hasn't even published yet, uh, but I wrote an article a couple days ago for Waxy about why states with CBD only laws are crap. <laughs> they're just they're they're crap on a whole lot of different levels. But the study that I cited, and I forget the guy's name. Uh, it's been a long day. But um, now it sounds like the study you cited here. Uh, they had a forty-five percent success rate in significantly reducing seizure activity. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, this other test that I cited, an older test uh, or older survey, uh, found a thirty percent success rate. So they were saying, you know, between 65, 70% of these kids, and they found the exact same thing. And anecdotal reports from parents of these children say the exact same thing. If they have no THC in the mix, so far we got one study that says what, uh, I'm assuming that was CBD only, 
45%. We got another study, and these are with very small numbers of children. These aren't really accurate numbers. And I'm sure these aren't. I mean, they're saying that it's, you know, in regards to the Charlotte's Web, uh, a a special marijuana extract known as Charlotte's Web, which we know that that's a strain. So depending on how the extract is made and what terpenes carry over, and, like, there's a lot of other stuff in there. You can't just say, here is CBD, uh, right. extract or, you know, like, well, what, what is it? Like what's, what's in it? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of difference between Girl Scout cookies and Durban poison. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. Oh, you know, I, I think, I think you bring up an excellent point. A lot of people don't realize that Charlotte's web is not just a CBD oil product or tincture. I think there's a couple different ways that they uh, package it. Uh, but it's a particular company out of, out of Colorado. Uh, and you know, it's named after Charlotte Figgy, who was, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, featured on CNN and many of their, uh, medical cannabis specials. Yep. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it just, what it comes down to is this whole idea of, uh, I once wrote about the fear of euphoria. Right. And right. Don't feel too so, good because that's bad for you. Yeah. It's a sin. And, you know, I want to respect everyone's <sighs> religion, but again, can we please get to a science-based <laughs> Uh, perspective that respects the right of rights of individuals, especially sick individuals, to to medicate themselves. <laughs> what what we're finding, what all of these studies, regardless of the, you know the low number of subjects and regardless of how we just need you know a thousand times more good clinical human trials you know studies to happen, uh, but we're finding that some of of the kids actually do their seizure activity increases. Uh, when they have CBD only, which is, you know, now we're showing this is a vast minority. I don't know if it's 5% or 8% or, you know, again, those those numbers are not known yet. Um, but I, I I think we need to have everything on the spectrum available. If if someone wants a CBD only, that should be on the market. It should be on the dispensary shelf. It should be available to people across the United States. If somebody wants a one-to-one <laughs> CBD to THC, you know, if some if, if somebody wants, uh, I mean, these aren't all children that that we're treating too. There's you know millions of adult epileptics, and uh, some of them might be able to do double duty in in terms of reducing seizure activity and and taking care of things like anxiety and 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 stress and enjoying some euphoria having that THC in them. Yeah, and the I mean the point is it's not you it's not a one off thing for any individual. Like you might need. Uh, the whole thing, the whole group of, of terpenes and cannabinoids and other people might just need right. the one, like you're not going to, but the, the, the point is like, we need that choice. You know, you can't just say, well, and I, I would be curious what the efficacy of a lot of these pharmaceuticals are. Are they getting near 45%? Cause I doubt it. You know, I really doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, I don't, I don't think they're doing that well. It's like with Crohn's disease, you know, where that Israeli study a couple years ago showed mm-hmm. that they got a 50% remission with medical cannabis. And uh, the, the best they, they were getting on was like 4 or 5% or something like that with the pharmaceutical drugs. So, no, sometimes you see some – and nobody wants to talk about that. You know, at least nobody on the pharmaceutical side or in Congress wants to talk about those. No, of course not. This is our, our perfect, you know, industry yeah. here or whatever, our perfect billion-dollar industry. Right. But I think you bring up an excellent point. The efficacy of any type of cannabis, whether it's CBD only, you know, whether it's a concentrate or what kind of flower or keef or whether it's vaped or smoked, that efficacy is extremely subjective. Yeah. And but so we need to allow medical professionals 
like say a doctor in Los Angeles to be able to experiment because that's what they do now with pharmaceutical drugs. And I'm not saying yeah. there's any way they need to be able to experiment with cannabis too. And they're like, well, let's start out with the CBD only so we don't get your eight year old kid all tripped out on Sesame Street. Right. Uh, if that doesn't work, you know, then we, when we introduce a little THC, that's how the parents are doing it themselves. They're, yep, they're, exactly. they're doing all this at home with, with no medical guidance in a lot of states. With great results. Yep. They say they got it. They say they got to add a little THC, you know, and, and Hey, I'm a parent. I, I wouldn't want to get my six or eight or sometimes these kids are two or three years old. Uh, no, I wouldn't want to get them all, you know, uh, but you got to look too. like, what's the alternative? A hundred, 200, 300 seizures a day. I'll get my kid high. If it comes down to that. I, I agree. I agree. Completely. So it all depends. Definitely. We also have to realize that these are, are small, relatively small bodies. Okay. Right. They're, right. they're pure bodies. You know, they haven't been doing shots of whiskey. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. Exactly. Okay. So, um, and, and you got to think what they're usually getting, whether the, the oil that they're taking contains THC or not, is is two little dropperfuls, you know, like in their mouth or under their tongue, like twice a day. It's a, even with THC in there. My point is, it's it's not like they're going to go, you know, bonkers on <laughs> Because it's not that much. Well, and that's the other thing. The the places that are making these CBD tinctures <laughs> from like hemp and stuff. Like they're selling them in in states that it's not legal. I mean, it's legal to sell this, but like weed is not legal. So you really don't know what you're getting in those things. Nobody's testing them. It's just like a uh, what what are those those uh, fake homeopathic things that people buy? Like when when they get cancer and they they've tried everything else, they buy this miracle cure. That's just a scam. Like I feel like there's a group out there taking advantage of people in this way as well with their fake you know snake oil CBD stuff. Right, and and unfortunately, I'm sure there's there's a lot of shysters out there taking advantage of desperate parents. Yeah. Who. I mean, just think about it. You know, you've you've spent every penny you've had. Your health insurance has run out, and and you've got this child that means everything to you. That uh, yeah, like you're saying, two three hundred seizures a day. They have these little micro seizures. You know. Yeah. It, and and I was I, I watched a documentary on YouTube about this, and those micro seizures. The reason they'll have like a sixteen year old kid who's at about the level of a six or eight year old. It is because the more significant the seizure, the more it basically erases all the progress. No, it's damage for sure. Like every time they have a seizure, that's it's damaging your brain. And eventually, yeah, you're not going to remember shit. And it kind of erases the chalkboard, so to speak. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's it's a really sad thing. And I, I think, you know, these conservative politicians look, give up your your goddamn fear of euphoria. OK, yep. and let these desperate parents come up with a solution that works for them because this is so subjective, whether that involves THC or not, who gives a damn? Who cares what it involves? It it has no bearing on, on the legislators themselves. They're not, you don't have to take it. Just don't say that we can't. That's all it is. Exactly. I mean, it's just so infuriating because I I mean, you know, these, these are real tearjerker stories. These, these are, you know, all these stoner stereotypes, but half these, uh, uh, case studies that you hear about and these parents like you're saying the reefer refugees who have moved to colorado or california or oregon in order to have a uh, supply of you know safe access to medicine for their children um they're they're not stoners a lot of them are fairly conservative and religious they just care about their kids yeah 
And I think that's great when the conservative religious ones become the reefer refugees because they start spreading the good word throughout the conservative community, throughout the church. They're blogging and they're saying, look, you know, this is a freaking plant, people. Let's get real. They're rabid about it, too. And that's awesome because the only people that their group is going to listen to is them. So the more and it sucks saying that, like, oh, I hope your kid has epilepsy so you can treat them with weed so that you can quit being a dick about weed. But that's kind of <laughs> what it takes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they make it's, the best uh, the best evangelists about it, which is awesome. Well, you know, there's these really great groups out there, Women Grow and, mm-hmm. and others, where uh, they, you know, the theme is emerging that it's the uh, it's middle-aged, angry mothers, uh, moms. who who are gonna who are gonna really take this from four or five states that are legal to like the whole damn country. And oh, they will too. You get a room a big full part of me that says, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you get a room full of angry moms in there. Oh, you will make whatever laws they want. Right. I mean, and let's not be sexist. It's really angry parents, right? I, yeah, yeah. You know. But hell hath no fury. <laughs> there is a very strong instinct there. I, I, I mean, I've talked about this issue with romantic partners before, where my strongest instinct is like career and trying to earn a living, right? And so that's actually a good thing to be partnered with somebody whose biggest focus is the child, because then you make sure you can pay for the child. But I don't want to be busy paying for the child and they get run over in the road. Yeah. So, so I think it works together. It's good stuff. All right. Well, hey, you, uh, you got any uh, new articles you want to point people to over on Waxy before we get out of here? You know, it's just it's just all over on the Wax. Just go to Waxy. Know, to waxy you know your morning coffee if you got a can of coffee i'm jealous but go for it those of you in seattle and portland <laughs> yeah. uh but uh but you know get yeah have your coffee and, and read your morning waxy uh, you know educate yourself and uh you know regardless of what you read yeah I, th- I just i think the theme that's been in my head this week is uh if we just pick up a few little facts every week boy a year goes by fast and now you right? got a few little facts times 52 and you start building a knowledge base for yourself. And now you're that smart ass that won't stop telling people facts. <laughs> well, we need more of that though. People need to hear, to people need to hear these facts for sure. And uh, I do, I do appreciate the longer form writing. Like a lot of the stoner weed sites, like it's just, here's an article, here's a couple thoughts about it, but you have like a nice long form style to it. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. It's more than what you would just want to go read while you're checking Facebook and everything. Like it's, it's, it's like a paper you sit down with your coffee yeah. or whatever in the morning and you read the newspaper. Like that's, that's what a uh, waxy. I like it. Well, you know, and we want to focus on shorter images too. I actually am kind of focusing on, on some shorter format stuff just because people are really busy and we just got done talking about kids and parents. Attention and, you know, spans, yeah. That's, that's, that's right. So, uh, you know, there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. Do they read the first five chap- five uh, paragraphs of, uh, of a long-form article or do they read an entire five-paragraph article? Right, right. Well, there's, the, the, there's, there's a lot of ways to slice it up. I do like putting in a little additional information because uh, especially on the medical side, you know, you just found out you got cancer. And you're someone who believes in cannabis, and you definitely are going to approach that as a treatment strategy. I think you care about the details. So so I guess, yeah, sometimes I go a little extra on that. That's good, though. I will be reading Waxy as bedtime stories to this baby every night. Wow. 
Wow, you were going to have one twisted but very informed child. That's what we're, that's the goal. (laughs) Hell yeah. All right, Gooey. Well, hey, we'll have to, uh, we'll do this again soon. Uh, I know we got one more holiday coming up, uh, and then after that, it should be just smooth sailing, so. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. And uh, And you're moving, so I I hope you have good luck with your move and get all settled in and get nice internet hooked up and all that. Oh, yeah, we'll be be back flying there in a week or so. Cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and, and chatting the last half of the show. Hey, thanks again, buddy. Happy dads. Ah, thanks, man. All right, Gooey Rubinsky over on Waxy.org. All sorts of good writing over there. Uh, definitely check out StuffStonersLike.com. I got some weed reviews up there. Haven't been really, really reviewing many weeds uh, recently. Been kind of busy with work and getting this uh, hip-hop album finished up, Project LD50. Uh, coming out soon i'll put a new track at the end of this episode if y'all want to hear it there's also a new track up on soundcloud i think it's called brains tripping so uh, definitely check that out i'll put links to it in the show notes here at hotboxpodcast.com uh big thanks to norris monson cultivateindustries.com and of course gooey rubinsky over on waxy.org uh, matt lee it's hotbox podcast thanks for listening we'll uh, see you next time <laughs>
you like you like this is where where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast.